everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. Coming to you as we record this week. Well, not really coming to you, but more as we record this week. Where we are is right this very second. Freight is arriving in Melbourne for the teams. The paddocks are being set up. Drivers and teams for many, well, for many of the teams at least, are either on their way or have arrived or are about to depart to head to Melbourne for the kickoff of the 2017 season. This is it, people. Did, did, did you feel it? Did you get the chills like I just got? <laughs> it's going to start. The doldrums are over. We get F1 back again. Well, it, it was the, the noticing on Twitter that, that the posts are starting to appear from some of the teams and some of the drivers of Next Stop Melbourne and, um, you know, fun, uh, Kevin Magnuson or K-Mags. See, we're going to use his given nickname here. K-Mags uh, has said that he was doing his last workout prior to departing for Australia. Toro Ross. What, what kind of workout do you think K-Mags does? I'm thinking Pio. Thinking what? Pio, Pilates and yoga. Okay. I. It's a hybrid fusion workout. What are you thinking? CrossFit? I'm thinking something. You know, the... Roman Grosjean posted pictures this week on his Twitter account of the apparatus that he's using to train his neck muscles because there's, you know, higher forces. It truly looks like this medieval torture device and maybe even not even so much a torture device as a oh, killing device. <laughs> it's funny because a couple of years ago, um, one of the new drivers came out and said that one of the things that he worked on really up towards getting onto the grid was his neck muscles. Susie Wolf talked about it. That it's, I mean, it's a serious um, situation. I'm not exactly sure how one works that out. So apparently it involves medieval torture. Um, I mean, it's not like you can do, you know, like neck lifts with weight or something very well. But yeah, with the higher G-forces, that's going to be a big deal. I keep expecting them to all come out of their helmets looking like Arnold with a giant neck. You know, there, there was comments made in an interview um, with Susie Wolf a couple of years ago over how she had these massive neck muscles from all the working out that had to be done. I never thought Susie's neck was oversized. Hey, I'm just saying. I, I, I don't think I've ever thought that. I've never looked at Susie Wolf and went, wow, that woman has an unusually large neck. Okay. Mostly because I just want to close my eyes and listen to her talk. I well, seriously love the way that woman talks. But before we really get into Formula One, last week was the season opener for IndyCar. Yes. And we have an outstanding story. You know, it was an oddball result. We had Will Power once again qualify for pole. Scott Dixon right behind him. And... Yeah, I was laying money that Will Power was going to win this race. Well, that's because you said Will Power wins uh, St. He's Petersburg. He's won there a lot. And, you know, Scott Dixon driving his brand new all blue GE lighting, not lightning, yep. in car. <laughs> um, you know, that should be fast just from the standpoint of it has LED. Yeah. Um, however, the guy that qualified last. He had a problem. He didn't even, like, finish qualifying. Simon, uh, excuse me, Sebastian Bourdais yep. qualified last and won the race. 
from last to first. You gotta love it. And uh, Scott Dixon actually was really actually before we can get to Scott Dixon, willpower was black flagged for failing to maintain the minimum speed. He had a wee bit of a problem. Yeah. Um, I believe it was Simon Pagino who had a brake disc explode as he was pulling into the pit lane. It was fairly dramatic. It was dramatic. Um, but he ended up in second, so it wasn't, like, traumatic. Yeah. Uh, but Will Power actually went to have a talk with the stewards and the marshals because what's attributed to giving... Bourdais the lead and ultimately the win was the full co- course caution that occurred about midway through the race. And truly how that impacted the stra- – that, that totally mixed up the strategies. And it benefited, I believe, the folks who had pitted and uh, seriously hurt the folks who had not pitted. Mm-hmm. And Will Power's position was that the full course yellow was not necessary. He said there was some carbon fiber on the track, but it was not on the racing line. It was it was off outside of the the, the actual area where the cars were transiting. It wasn't actually on the the track itself. It was off to the side. Um, so he didn't feel that that full course caution was necessary. He felt that that. Um, had a demonstrable effect on the results of the race. Well, it could, it definitely shifted things around a bit because having pitted before that full course yellow was a distinct advantage. But let's just review some key things that are important in the IndyCar world because points are based on laps led right. to some extent. Willpower, Mr. Complainer, and Black Flagged for Going Too Slow only led for five laps. Of 110 laps. Right. Now, our winner, Sebastian Bordes, he led for 69 laps. Well, again, it was once that that uh, full course yellow came out, it totally mixed everything up. Um, and even uh, Alexander Rossi had a decent race until he ended up with a slow leak, and that just took everything out for him there. It did, and he, um, he finished 11th which wasn't the best, but he was definitely ahead of our other F1 uh, uh, friend, Max Chilton, at 16th. And I know after my very descriptive and highly intelligent (coughs) uh, description of what was going on with Marco Andretti and his new coach. He drove well. He he did seem to drive well. I guess he chased the track the way it was supposed to be chased. Um, (laughs) He found the track. He found the track. He, he finished in seventh, so top ten to Marco, which apparently is um, a notable result for him. So that was the IndyCar. So let's now go to Formula One. And you know, as we all know, we had uh, testing ended uh, about a week ago. And you need to picture this scene. So testing has ended. All the teams are packing up their gear. They're headed to the airport to go back to England or, in in the case of Ferrari, to Italy or Sauber to Switzerland and and Toro Rosso to Austria um, to do the the final prep work, the final tuning and tweaking. Take all of their handwritten numbers down and transpose them so the engineers can recraft parts of the car. Pretty much. But, you know, they're getting all the stuff together and they're hanging out. All the teams are hanging out over in the airport departure lounge waiting for their flights and everything. And McLaren is sitting there, and they're going, you know, finally, after all these years, we have once again gotten ourselves a car with a distinctive paint job and a distinctive livery. And with that, 
Force India stands up, looks at Mercedes, and goes, here, hold my beer. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. And then the very next day, rolls out a pink car. Yes. Now, I, for one, am excited about the pink car, but I'm so excited for these bright colors hitting the grid. I mean, we had Team Banana last year that's continued their yellow car. We had the addition of the orange car, because orange will definitely make the McLarens faster this year. And then one-upped by all of them, Pink Force India. Well, you know, let's be clear. It's not even so much that Force India went and painted their car pink, so it's nice and distinctive. The best part about this story is they got somebody to pay them to do it. Excellent. Excellent. Because the reality is the whole reason why they painted the car is because they have a new sponsorship deal with water technology specialist BWT. And as a result of that deal, we see now the BWT branding on the side where the Sahara logo used to be. Um, That's now actually been moved a little forward, and it's smaller. Because oddly enough, even though we heard last year that Sahara was bust and wasn't paying for their placement and was going to have to get pulled off the car, it's still on the car. <laughs> I can't, I, I don't understand that one. But regardless, that logo has been moved forward. It's smaller. We have a big blue BWT logo. The cars are now pink, and the driver's helmets will be pink as well for the entire season. So, has there been any explanation? I mean, I understand BWT's logo is blue. Why they chose pink? Is it like a nod to something? Is it. Something that's part of their logo. I assume this is more in in line with the color scheme of BWT. Okay. Would be my guess is that it's uh, blue and pink would be my thought. It's going to be a matte pink. But again, I think the best part about this isn't even so much that they, they painted the car pink. It's that they got paid to do it. Hey. Hey, don't underestimate getting paid to do something crazy like that. But, I mean, I think it's awesome. In a world that is truly as manly as the world of F1 is, (laughs) having a pink car represent, I think, is pretty awesome. And I don't know if you know this, but a hundred and something years ago, pink was actually considered a masculine color. Oh, I don't think that there's anything negative in them painting the car pink. Again, I go back to the, they got paid to do it. And that's what's important. It means there's a sponsorship (laughs) deal for them. That's that's really what I, you know, think is the true highlight here. Not so much that it's pink, although again, you're not going to have any problem picking out their car on the track. But I never had problems with the Force India to begin with. They always were a bright color. That's they not white, true. The white color with the greens and the reds. They were always well, fairly when, bright. Well, when when they were the the Sahara colors, the white, the orange, um, that color scheme, yes, they stood out. But when they shifted to their most recent color scheme, what, about two years ago, that black and silver color scheme, they were has. blending in with the Mercedes. Or not the Mercedes, with the McLarens. It's part of the reason why McLaren went more black. Well, yeah, but everybody was going black two years ago. Yeah. Bright colors are so the new black now. Okay. Now, this year... We're having some some rule changes. We, we've heard the talk about the possibility of standing starts, and that's one of the reasons why Pirelli has been monkeying with the compounds and concerned about the the, the wet weather compounds because the drivers needed to get heat into them faster. We've got a 
bit more information. Um, the final agreement as to what was supposed to happen occurred last week when the FIA Motorsports Council approved the overall plan for basically they're going to be holding standing starts for races held in poor conditions. Now, the details were only recently agreed to by the teams. So here's all the the details on this. And this comes from, from Autosport. They compiled all of this because it's actually you, – you'd think this would be kind of easy, but no, this is Formula One, so it's got to be complex. Okay. So the aim of the rule change is to retain the excitement of a race start even if the cars need to initially set off behind a safety car. Figure that one out too. Okay. You're still going to have races start off behind a safety car potentially, but there's going to somehow be a standing stop start. Okay. Okay. So the rule is written to cover reasons other than rain, such as oil on a track, assuming that poor weather is the reason the cars will set off behind a safety car with the full wet weather Pirelli tires compulsory for all drivers. Okay. The laps behind the safety car will effectively be additional formation laps. However, only the first tour after the cars leave the grid will not be taken from the original race length. So the first lap behind the safety car will not count toward race distance. Follow-on laps behind the safety car will. So when they do 16 laps behind the safety car at the start of a wet race, 15 of those laps will reduce the race distance. Correct. Drivers starting the race from the pits will be allowed to join the rear of the field behind the safety car to get a feel for the conditions. However, they will be forced back to the pit lane when it is time for the safety car to come in and allow the race start procedure to take place. Drivers cannot follow the safety car into the pits and switch to intermediates or slicks for the start proper or they will face a subsequent 10-second stop-go penalty. And any driver that pits during the safety car phase before the start will be forced to take the race start from the pit lane. Okay. Of note, drivers starting from the pits are not obliged to take part in a formation lapse behind the safety car. While carrying extra fuel could be considered an advantage, as it will reduce the need for fuel saving once the race begins, the teams agreed that the weight penalty for carrying the extra fuel would be greater. While overtaking is prohibited behind the safety car as normal, the rules state if someone is delayed getting away, drivers may only overtake to reestablish the original starting order or the order the cars at the pit lane exit were in when the formation lap was started. Any driver unable to take up his position before the safety car pulls in will be forced to start from the pits. If conditions do not approve during the laps behind the safety car, the race director can bring the field back into the pits to wait for an improvement in the weather. This will not count as a race suspension, as the race will not have officially started. But if this does happen, there will not be a second attempt at lining the cars up on the grid for a a standing start. Okay. So those are the, the changes. All right, so this affects the starting of the race. This is nothing to do with if the safety car has to come out because conditions worsened during the race. I think. You know, this will get explained to us when or if it actually occurs at the beginning or during a race um, in one of the various broadcasts that we watch. I mean, one of the fears that I have is what this is going to end up being, and, and it's not clear that it is, is that we have a safety car period because there's been an incident on the track. Does that mean we're getting a standing restart? 
Well, that's or is what, it just for a standing start of the race? That's what I was just asking. <laughs> I know, and I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm sure this will get explained, and if we have a, a wet race here early in the season, possibly many times during the season, as to how this will pro- proceed. Well, I have not seen what the weather forecast is for Melbourne yet, uh, but that is a race that we have seen uh, disruptions in the recent history due to rain and due to significant rain on the track so in, in, including lots of slow motion shots of birds taking off yes or standing in the puddles yes um let's see what the weather is supposed to be like for this coming weekend like unlikely for rain it looks like it will be a high of 75 fahrenheit for friday and saturday with a high of 81 on sunday Uh, Sunny on Sunday, but partly cloudy on Friday and Saturday. Nothing more than a 20% chance of rain on Saturday. Everything else is under 10%. So as expected, officially, Patty Lowe has joined Williams as their chief technical officer as of this week. So they finally released that press release. Yes, Claire Williams' team (laughs) finally got the press release done. Patty Williams is officially part of the team. Patty Lowe. Who did I say? Patty Williams. Uh, yes, Patty Lowe has joined Williams. Very good. That's it. Thank you. They did. They didn't become Brand- Bradgelina or something like that no, with they one didn't hybrid do name. That. <laughs> He's still Patty Lowe. <laughs> but as we mentioned before, this is truly a return to Williams for Patty. Yes. Um, he actually started F one at Williams in nineteen eighty seven. So. It's a, it's a returning year for Williams. They have lots of people that have gone away and come back. Some for longer <laughs> for, than others. Yeah. <laughs> now, coming out of Barcelona, we were kind of questioning the state of Renault's engine. Yes. Um, Renault actually says that its new engine has exceeded performance targets, despite all the troubles that they had. Okay, so... Wait a second. I just want to make sure I follow this very carefully. The Renault engine that had troubles, mm-hmm. um, that had troubles that were possibly enhanced by the amazing arrow that is on the Red Bull car, exceeded performance targets. Were their targets that low? or? Well, what, what? Cyril Abitbull said... He said, I think we are on target, and even maybe exceeding that target subject to reliability. We came into this with a new engine architecture, not just in terms of the combustion engine, but also the ERS, you know, the ERS, which kept breaking, the ERS. Um, That means quite a great challenge, particularly in terms of reliability, and there is no surprise. We were expecting to encounter some difficulties. We had those difficulties that materialized, but the good news is that we are not doing that for nothing meaning that the performance is there when we are trying to extract it. We are not doing that frequently because we are really managing distance and life of the engine parts, which are still critical conditions. But we have seen the performance that we wanted to get is definitely there. I vote that they set the bar way low. Like, Uh, okay, we know what this engine's going to do. It will start. Yay, it started. We've uh, exceeded expectations. I was thinking that Cyril went to Ron Dennis for writing that statement. Possibly. (laughs) Have we ever seen Cyril and Ron in the same place? Could they be the same person? I think actually this past year we did. 
last in 2016. You know, maybe Cyril b- before is... he was purged from McLaren, and McLaren then went on the campaign to remove all aspects of Ron Dennis from the place. Maybe we're going to find out this year that Cyril Abitable is tied up and duct taped in a basement somewhere, and it is truly Ron Dennis in a Cyril mask. And he'd get away with it, too, if it wasn't for these lousy kids. Well, that's what's going to happen. When we get to Abu Dhabi, the mystery machine's going to show up, and they're going to rip the mask off. Yes. It's old man Dennis. <laughs> yeah. I would have gotten away with it, too. Speaking of Reno, <laughs> while we're on the topic of Reno, we're going to stay with Reno for a little bit. Um, remember last week when we mentioned that Red Bull wrote a letter? Yes. Well... Oddly enough, and this is what I can't figure out. So Red Bull wrote the letter, but Cyril Abitbull commented on the letter and the justification behind the letter. What he says is that they the, the letter wasn't written to attack anybody in particular. He said that we needed to make sure that it is clear to everyone and it can be properly monitored and enforced that fuel should remain the primary combustible used in F1. But he wasn't singling anybody out here. He just needed to know for sure that when it said you only burn fuel, that they meant you only burn fuel. But he didn't write the letter. Yeah. Hmm. This Ron Dennis in a Cyril mask theory is starting <laughs> to really take some shape here. Um, so, huh. Makes it sound like a bit bitable is pulling more strings at Red Bull than I really understood to be able to get them to write the letter. But it seems a little odd that you would write a letter to make sure everyone knew that fuel had to be the primary combustion when what they were really asking about was a very minute amount of fuel and additives that were coming off and being released during qualifying, which would still make it not the primary form of combustion. But it could boost performance because you're not supposed to be burning any of those items in your fuel system and I that's get, the issue I get that it could be increasing performance I get that part but what you just read was that he wanted to make sure that all the teams were aware yeah. that the primary source of fuel of the primary source of combustion was fuel right but the letter seemed to indicate that it was a minor source of additional fuel Combustion. Again, this is the Ferrari strategy. Hey, we're considering doing this, but before we do this, can you tell us if it's legal? Yes. I mean, that's really what was going before you try and get too deep into that. That's all it was, was, hey, we I think know. we might do this, but but before we do this, because we know everybody else is doing it, can you tell us if it's legal, even though we're not doing this? Or we are doing it, and we haven't said anything, but now we're a little ticked off that other people are doing it, so make them all stop? Yeah. Yeah. But since you mentioned Red Bull. Yes. Christian Horner, in, in the various preseason buildups that various um, media outlets are doing. I haven't seen uh, five, five Live put theirs up yet. I'll have to go check on that. I have not seen a preview show from Five That's Live. That's odd. 
I bet it'll come about Wednesday. Yeah, probably. Um, Christian Horner was talking to BBC Radio 5 Live, actually. And uh, what he said is that everybody is really kind of hiding their true potential. He says everybody's sandbagging right now. He doesn't believe that anybody is really showing how well they can do, even though Mercedes did 1,096 laps and they only did 684. He said, yeah, nobody really knows what anybody's up to right now. Clearly, Ferrari ran better than everyone was expecting him to. But is that real performance or not? He doesn't know. He says that he thinks that there's more in their car than they have shown. And water is wet and night is dark. Yeah. I mean, this is this is something that we reported on at least three weeks ago before testing even began. I believe that I even said, can't believe anything you see in testing because you don't know what the tests are. They don't they have they they test in public, but they don't have to tell you what they're testing. So you never know. Well, that's not true. One of the things we do know, we do know, actually, there were two things that we know. One was that McLaren was in a, a heap of trouble, and, and there was that whole thing. But the other thing that we also know is that Haas is still having brake issues. Yeah. And they admit it. See, see you were wrong there. You, there are some things you do know. Haas is still having brake issues. They're, they're still working with... Um, Actually, they're, they're looking to work with Carbone Industries uh, to test some new brakes at Bahrain that will hopefully resolve their issues because it doesn't sound like it's working with the Brembos. Ah. So hopefully Bahrain, they will have something different. Well, last season, they got their points target for the entire year in their first race. Before the brakes went really south on them. I know. So I'm kind of hoping that the delay of getting something new and different to Bahrain won't hurt them. I'm kind of curious. What's Ferrari running? Huh. I mean, since Haas, you know, that, that's they how they built the They went to the, the Ferrari car. store and picked yeah. out all of their parts. I'll have one of these and one of these and one of these and four of those, and we'll make our own wheels. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll go to Pirelli to get the wheels. Like I mentioned, the other thing that we know is that the Honda engine performed dismally in Barcelona. I think you said uh, that they perfected a new level of catastrophic failure. That That is certainly one way to look at it. Um, well, word came out this week, mm -hmm. and apparently it was confirmed. Confirmed? That McLaren has approached Mercedes about engines well you know they now, have spares because of uh manor being gone well th there's that issue there's also the changes to the rules that say that you have to supply it the manufacturers have to supply a team with engines if they need them um mclaren apparently used in the two weeks of testing more engines than you would be allotted to use throughout the entire season now they can do that because it's testing and and you know, those engines don't count. But if this was the live season, um, they churned through in eight days more engines than is actually legally available to them throughout the season because reliability was that bad. And I don't believe that they did more than two race distances all total. They maybe couldn't. 200 laps? Yeah, I think they did maybe 200 laps. They didn't get more than 11 laps in any go. In any single stint. 
Um, we do know that there was no agreements that came out of this. Um, it was supposedly a brief conversation, but they did apparently reach out to Mercedes. What we also hear is that Toto Wolf at Mercedes is open-minded to the possibility of su supplying McLaren, but there's some issues, not the least of which is there's a long-term contract in place for um, Honda to supply them engines. Um, what would the way this would work, and and, and all the the various machinations in order for this to actually happen? Um, the Honda engine deal is worth close to one hundred million dollars annually to the team. Okay, just that there is a hundred million dollars. Now, the team gets those engines for free. Otherwise, they'd have to pay if they went back to Mercedes. 17 million euros or 14.8 million pounds to Mercedes if Mercedes were to supply them with engines again. Honda also pays half of McLaren's driver's salary bill and a significant sponsorship contribution. Okay. If the Honda partnership was ended, McLaren's main shareholders, uh, Bahrain's Mumtalakat Sovereign Investor Fund and Saudi businessman Mansur OJ would almost certainly have to plug the gap themselves until a major sponsorship deal could be found, which, of course, McLaren's been bleeding sponsors. But Zach Brown is, like, trying to turn the tide on that. He's trying to, but that's one of the, how easy is that going to be if this Honda engine continues to to struggle if they can't show success how easy is it going to be to to attract sponsors let alone retain the ones that you have okay do you know how this is really going to play out okay mclaren is going to suffer and drag along this year with the honda engine i mean come on we start in five days we start free practice so they're going to have 2017 on that Honda engine. Sometime about mid-year, we're going to hear word that Honda is walking from the sport in a rebuilding situation. And Mercedes, who is going to be leading the pack, will be supplying McLaren's engines, which then Zach Brown will take and say, I know we're having a bad year this year, but we're getting the leading engine next year, be our title sponsor next year. Is that going to be your big story? I may have just previewed my big story. You may have to hold on to that now. We <sighs> shall see. Speaking of Mercedes, though, uh, Mercedes has revealed that the engine spec that they will be running in Australia this week is the one that they were running in uh, testing, okay. um, which there are some reliability concerns over. So we'll see how that shakes out. As long as they don't happen to Lewis again. <laughs> In other news, Ross Braun, Ross Braun, 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 whatever, uh, <laughs> he is going to set up an independent task force to shape the future of F1. Now, I still want to understand how the commercial rights holder is going to influence the technical rules. It never stopped Bernie. It did to a point. Remember, he wanted to kill. The, he never wanted the V six hybrid engines. I understand. He complained he about it and he win, lost that. But it didn't stop him from suggesting things. Yeah. Can can I 
go back to and remind you about the artificially moistened tracks he wanted? He didn't get that either, but he did get double points. He got double points for one but season because that, that was dumb. But that wasn't a technical issue rule. That was a sporting rule. Well. That could be the other thing is that the moistened tracks, was that is that considered technical or sporting change? I don't know, but I think that Ross Braun will have better luck influencing technical rules as he is technical. Yeah, I think there is that possibility. We, we do know that he um, greatly dislikes DRS and wants that to go away. Mm -hmm. um, and there's similar rules that he wants to go away. I don't think he's a huge fan of the amount of aero that went into these cars. He wants the mechanical grip. So we'll see how that shakes out. Um, but, yeah, he's setting up an independent commission. And while we're talking about Liberty, mm -hmm. Liberty apparently managed to piss off the promoters at Baku. Okay. In particular, Liberty media boss Greg Maffey um, criticized Baku. Uh, he was talking to a Deutsche Bank conference in Florida last week. Um, he cited Baku as an example of a race that did not contribute to the overall growth of the sport. So what he said, um, he said, I think it's our job to do more to help the promoters to be successful. Frankly, Bernie's attitude was, how much can I extract from them? I heard him call them, call them the victims. How much can I extract? How much up front? So we end up with races in places like Baku and Azerbaijan, where they paid us a big race fee, but it does nothing to build the long-term brand and the health of the business. Our job is to find partners who pay us well, but also help us to build the project or, or to build the product. So the organizers of Baku did not exactly appreciate these comments. I can imagine. Um, and what the organizer told Reuters last week was, it does upset us, obviously. Mr. Maffei has been involved in F1 for less than half a year. We've been working on this project for three years now, so we have more experience with F1 than them. I think saying something like this is ignorant, but we'll see. <laughs> My three years trumps your six months. Um, okay, but if I go back into my Wayback Machine mm -hmm. and remember that when we first started hearing rumblings of Baku... You, you mean the Super Mario Grand Prix? Yes. Um... <laughs> We made that same comment that it wasn't, it was about who would pay Bernie the most money and not mm -hmm. about where there was a need for a race, where it was going to be someplace that the inherent population was going to get behind and support. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that we see in a lot of the Bernie deals for race locations. And that's the problem. And I think that that's what Liberty is trying to get to is this concept of we need to th start thinking about putting races where it will promote the growth of the sport. I don't know if Baku does that. Does anybody actually know where Baku is? Well, one thing of note this year is that, you know, last year that was the European Grand Prix. It's not this year. Yeah, because apparently everybody looked up and said, that is not Europe. We don't <laughs> care. They're a nice city. They have a lot of money. It's not Europe. So it is going to be called the, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. 
probably a better name for it since it, you know, is in Asia. Um, yeah. But that's my point is it got a name that doesn't even match the continent it's actually on. Mm-hmm. It got a name and nobody really like knows where it is. If you had to blindfold yourself and point to it on the map, you'd get close. I think so. And that's only because I looked it up last year. Yeah. <laughs> it's in that general area. I mean, that's the problem. And I don't know if that's, you know, the hotbed of up and coming motorsport. Well, it's because they want to change their standing. And that's the other thing. And it'll be very interesting to see how Liberty handles it. Because Bernie was willing to turn around and accept dollars from venues that have no connection with Formula One, no connection with Autosport. And truly, they are developing countries that are looking to, in their eyes, improve their standing in the world community and their their prestige within the world community, which is why Bahrain got a race. It's why India got a race. It's why Korea got a race. Um, And as we have seen, for most of these races, it has not really worked out for them. On either side. Right. Because two of those four that you just listed don't exist anymore. Don't exist anymore. And then you've got... Bahrain is always mired in controversy, but one of those races is Singapore, and Singapore is considered a jewel on the calendar now, and so is Abu Dhabi, which was another one of those, developing one, trying to go and establish themselves, and is considered a highlight of the race calendar. But I think that on one hand, it's a risk. I mean, yeah, you could do something fabulous, but I think about both what is in Abu Dhabi and Singapore infrastructure-wise. Mm-hmm. Neither of those are developing countries. You know, Bahrain has got human rights violations that are going on. It's part of the miring and controversy that happens. Korea's racetrack was so far away from anything, they had to bus people in, and the accommodations, well, in a word, sucked. So. <laughs> oh, you, you mean the hotels that normally rent out by the hour? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, (laughs) nobody wanted to go to that from that standpoint. So it was like, oh, let's tie one hand behind your back and see if you can hold on to a race. But to to be clear with the Korea race in particular, that was supposed to be an anchor for a much larger development project that fell apart. Right. I mean, that's why it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But it was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I guess you, you could make the argument that some of those gambles won and some of those gambles lost, but still. Speaking of getting races, Adelaide, the city council of Adelaide, is interested in getting Formula One back. Interesting. The first 10 years of the Australian Grand Prix was run in Adelaide. It ran from 1985 to 95 and then went to uh, Melbourne. Well, it seemed... Now, the track still exists. I mean, it was a street track. It's used for um, Australian supercars. It's the season opener for, for the Australian supercar series. But they'd like... The city council, at least, is interested in getting a race back. So they have uh, made a formal requ- request to the 
South Australian state government to investigate whether they could get, you know, whether it'd be viable, whether there's a possibility of getting Formula One back. That would be cool. I don't know how that would work. Well, and, I mean, and as much as I think Melbourne is cool, and I know Adelaide has got a lot of history, I think I would much rather see a second race in Japan. Or maybe that's the way it works. Is Malaysia supposedly in trouble? Mm-hmm. So Malaysia loses that race, and either Adelaide or maybe Fuji in Japan. Probably more likely to be Adelaide since it's already a straight track. And Well, Fuji exists, and, and Fuji is another place that Formula One has been at for quite a few years. So The Japanese fans are so fanatical and, and so much fun. That's why I would think a second race in Japan makes sense. I think they've got the fan base to support it. I well, don't know if Adelaide does. Well, it will all come down to what the head handlebar mustache has to say. Yes. Now, our last story. Once again, this is a multi-discipline podcast. We're up to two already. Well, we're going to go to our third. We are going to go back because you thought the insanity that was the WRC Rally Mexico ended with the cars getting stuck in traffic. Okay, didn't it? It did not. Okay, what happened? Well, less than a kilometer away from the end of the final stage of Rally Mexico, world championship driver Chris Meek said he got caught out by a bump. That bump bounced him off the track through a line of trees into a parking lot where he made his way through the parking lot and there's actually there's in-car video of his driver basically freak or his co-driver basically freaking out cuz he's like I-, I don't know where you go man and the overhead shot of him weaving through car which by the way he clipped a Citroen as he went through there um clipped another car makes his way through the this parking lot gets back through the tree line onto the track and wins the whole event I know I saw the video for that <laughs> Isn't it crazy? That it looks like he insane. went through the parking lot looking for a space. Nah, I don't see a space. I'll go back on the track now. Yeah. But apparently he had to like drive some distance in the parking lot to find a break in the hedgerow. Yes, he he went uh, pretty far through that. Um, he actually was in the lot long enough that he thought for sure that he had thrown it all away and was absolutely stunned that they still won the race. Still won the race. They were ahead by quite a bit. Now, he originally didn't think that he had clipped the Citroen as he came through the the hedgerow, but footage coming back and pictures of the car does show a wee bit of damage to the taillight. Oh, in the overhead view, you can clearly see the debris flying away. <laughs> yeah, but you don't necessarily know how much of it is his car, you know, how much of it is the WRC car versus the Citroen. Yeah. But there is a little bit of damage to the taillight. I could just imagine what that fan felt when he comes back to his car and he's like, you know, dang it, you can't even trust a... a Car park in a WRC race. Actually, I'm wrong. He hit a Volkswagen. His car was the Citroen. Ah. Yeah. That was, it was incredible video. I mean, he went up and down the lines of parked cars. Mm-hmm. I mean, whole new obstacle in WRC. Well, that's all the stories we have. 
So that brings us to what you have been hyping for weeks now. When I dust off my crystal ball and get everything right. So yes, it's time for our predictions for the year. And for that, we need to get the boy. Right. So with everybody here, we've got, we've actually, I've got quite a few questions to go through this year. And I think, I don't know, I look at this year even more than last year, really don't know what to expect. Well, you said that last year, and I believe in our recap show, we were very on the money. We were. So maybe our crystal ball isn't so bad after all. Well, we'll see what happens. So the first question, as always, who will win the Drivers' Championship? And I am I'm torn on this, but I'm going to go with Lewis because I think it's a safe bet. You know, I thought long and hard about who I thought was going to win the Drivers' Championship because I definitely, you know, I am a big Lewis fan. I wanted to go with, you know, what I wanted to have happen. But I don't think he's going to win. Okay. I don't think so. I'm going to take the risky bet here. You, th- you think Nico broke him last year? No. No, I don't think that. I, I think that the, the third, having that third world champion, he's off his game. I don't think he's going to come back as strong this year as I ex- you know, one can expect. Or one would want. I don't think it's going to go to Vettel either, which seems like the most likely other option. I'm going to pull out the wild card and call it for Verstappen. Wow. I, on the other hand, believe that Vettel will win. You, you are stuck on, you know, you made that prediction last year too. <laughs> you are just all over Seb, aren't you? He, he bleeds red. He's a Ferrari man right here. Well, he was a Red Bull person. No, he's a Seb person. He's a Seb fan. Okay, well, that's the next question is the Constructors' Championship. And I think Mercedes is going to be challenged, but I still think that they're going to win. I don't I don't see any reason, you know, to think it's going to be Sauber. It's definitely not going to be Sauber. <laughs> oh, my, it won't be Sauber. Um, I'm actually going to go with a split decision here because i think that the driver's race will be very very tight and i think the combined points will be such that mercedes will pull out the constructors okay mercedes obviously (laughs) all right so everybody's in agreement of mercedes okay so here's the next one this one i thought was kind of hard okay that's why I, i selected it who will win more races Valtteri Bottas or Max Verstappen? Do you have an answer? Yeah. Bottas. Okay. I'm going to go with my boy Max. I am thinking Valtteri is going to get his first win and he's going to stay ahead of Max. Because remember, Valtteri has not won a race yet. I know. He's gotten second. So the next question. And, and I've got these in no particular order. They were as, as I basically as wrote them down. As they came to you in your Yeah, head. pretty much. Um, I think we asked this last year, and possibly the year before that as well. 
Will this be Kimi Raikkonen's final season in Formula One? Oh, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with yes. I'm probably going to be wrong because I bet that Ferrari's still going to go and milk that out there. You're saying yes? I'm saying yes. Okay. Kimi Raikkonen must do another year. He has funny quotes that will make the internet go crazy with new memes. So you say no. Yes. Okay. Yes, he says no. <laughs> I say yes. Another, I think, challenging question. Which team will perform worse this year? Who is going to be the back marker? Will it be McLaren or Sauber? I think it's going to be Sauber. I am going to go with McLaren, and I may be wrong on this one, but I'm going to go with them because I think the engine is that bad. You are going to go with Sauber with their lovely, clean, sponsorless paint job? Yes. (laughs) I am going to hold that I believe that Stoffel Van Dorn and Fernando Alonso will fall into slightly more points than Sauber. You know, you you jumped ahead there because I think that's one of my questions for later. Okay. You that or I thought of it and didn't. What do you think? I believe that Sauber would do worse, worse because Sauber was behind McLaren last year, and now that they have this new sponsorless paint job, they might become the new HRT and be miles behind everyone else. Okay. Next question. Will Fernando Alonso retire at the end of the year? What do you think? I don't think so. It's it's a hard question. Fernando has hit his peak. He can't he hasn't been scoring any world championship. He is no longer doing how good he was when he was with Ferrari being able to challenge Vettel. So he may want to do one more year because third time's the charm, as they say. But it's also possible that he may stop. But I believe they will do another year because third time's the charm. I think the quality of the engine is going to drive him out of the sport, and he's going to find that um, any other competitive team is not going to have an opening for him. I'm going to go with the boy for completely different reasons than the boy. I believe that Fernando being the catalyst to his, being the hindrance to his own success will stay in the sport two years too long, which means he's got at least another year in him. But his contract expires this year. I know. Okay. He's going to get picked up on the merit of him used to, used to be the best on the grid. Another, I think, really hard question. Who will win more races, Max Verstappen or Daniel Ricciardo? Oh, <laughs> I think you asked this question last year. No, he didn't because Max and uh, Danny didn't start on the same team last year. Oh. So I am going with Daniel Ricciardo. Well, I think that by the nature of who I picked to win the season, I have to you're go gonna with go Max. with Max. You're you're stuck with that one. Yeah. I'm believing um Verstappen because last year Ricardo didn't do very well as Max did. 
and that was the reason why Ricardo was ended up getting bumped back to Ruff. You're thinking Kiv- you're thinking Kvyat, honey. Oh. Daniel Ricardo won more races than Verstappen last year. Well, I'm just thinking Verstappen just cuz. Okay. Okay. Next question. Who will score more points this year? Pascal Verline, Esteban Ocon, or Lance Stroll? I'm going with Ocon. Mainly because I think Stroll's going to um, take a tour of some walls. Oh, he didn't have a good testing, and you're very down on him from testing. Yeah. Um, I think that he's going to get pulled aside by Massa and taught a few things, and I think it'll be Lance Stroll. He's going to be in the better car of all three of those. That's the thing. So I'm going to go with Stroll. I'm going to go with um, Pascal Verline because he had um, he has more experience in the than all of them because he's he's done a full year. Ocon has done like a half year, and Stroll has just started. Okay. Um, will Sebastian Vettel leave Ferrari at the end of the year? No. That was an emphatic no. Yeah. Um. I think he will. Okay. What do you think is going to lure him away? Mercedes. Interesting. I think it truly depends on how the Ferrari performs. If he wins a couple of races and he sees that things have improved compared to last year, I think he'll stay. However, if they're still struggling by, oh, mid-July at the latest, I think he's going to be on the market. Interesting. But that leads to my next question, and it's interesting that you said what you said. Because the next question is, you know, Valtteri Bottas is on a one-year contract. Yep. So is he going to get an extension? Nope. Which now makes me wonder where you think he's going to go. I don't know. I, I haven't thought through the shuffle that would be Valtteri going to the next team. But there's a couple of big names um, that are coming available at the end of next year, which is what's making me think that short of Valtteri like, winning this whole thing, um, he's he's got a one and done with Mercedes. I don't think so. I think he's going to get it only because I think Valtteri is a strong enough driver that when things go south for Lewis— and at some point in the season, there will be a, a even if Lewis is on and he wins a championship this year. At some point in the season, things will go south because they always he you always get some stretch of bad luck. I expect that Valtteri will be there to pick up the pieces, and that's truly why he's there. Is that it, there is a driver who's good enough to pick up the pieces if things go wrong for the for the the other driver. So, and I think Valtteri's at the very least capable of doing that. I think he is capable of doing that. But what I honestly think is that Valtteri is keeping a seat warm for a bigger name driver. And I think that that's one of the stories that we'll hear is that Valtteri is shopping Mercedes. Because I think Valtteri is looking for 
two more world champions to tie his idol? It depends for me. If Valtteri Pol- is like um, Perez when he was on um, McLaren and he can't handle the pressure on being one of the good teams and he starts crashing and all that stuff, he's probably he's probably not going to get the extension. But if he actually does do good and he's able to cope with the pressure on being one on one of the best teams, he's probably going to get an extension. So what do you think? A yes or a no? Depends. He's firmly got the fence post. All he's right. On the fence. So, again, so this is one that you're not going to get an. Ant- you, you will not get a point to at the end of the season. Right. I was going to say you can't you can't hedge that much. I'm leaning towards the. He won't get an extension. So a no. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go with no. I think you already know my answer to this one. But here it is. Will Lance Stroll be the new Pastor Maldonado? I know what your thoughts are. I don't think so. Okay. Sure. So that's a yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, He had a really bad time in testing. He's probably not going to do so good. And since he's being a rookie... He might not understand everything in F1, and he might have a few collisions with other drivers. And he might end up getting suspended a race. Whoa. He's down on the, on the stroll, man. Wow. Okay. I think this is another hard one. Who will end the season higher? Force India or Renault? Ooh. Team Pink. You're going with Force India. Team Pink. Pink's going to make it fast. I'm going to go with Renault. I'm not sure I believe it, but I'm going to go with them anyway, just because. Team Team Banana over Team Pink. Yep. I'm picking Force India mainly because they're Team Pink, and that helps raise awareness for breast cancer. Well, that's not really why they did it. They're pink actually because their sponsor is a clean water technology company that uses pink. Well, still, it's something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I think we may need to change the nickname from for Renault from Team Banana to Team Gordon's Fisherman. <laughs> well, their, their race suits are definitely Gordon's Fisherman race suits. So my last one. And I'm not even, I I go round and round on this one because I'm just not sure. I've been thinking about this now for a couple of days. Okay. What is, what do you think is going to be the big story for the year? Well, I, like you, have thought about it for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And I know that I have proposed the whole McLaren announces a shift to Mercedes engines as being the big story. Um, and getting title sponsorships as part of it. I have also alluded to the fact that I think Valtteri, uh, uh, not Valtteri, uh, Vettel dropping Ferrari for Mercedes is another big story, but I don't think that's going to be the truly hot, hot story of the year. I think that the hot story of the year will be 
all surrounded with Liberty Media's takeover of Formula One, and they're exploding the sport activities. That that's what all of De- you mean the detonating, detonating the fan of, experience. The fan experience. <laughs> I think that that is what all of the commentators are going to talk about for the entire year. Okay. I was thinking maybe something around Liberty. But I've also decided that, you know, for this, truly the big story, our best predictions for big story, they have to be truly ridiculous. Yes. Detonating the fan experience, I don't know if I would consider that to be truly ridiculous. Well, I'm thinking in terms of the story that will get talked about for the entire season as being the big story. I'm using that metric. I am to the ridiculous story. I'm going to go with the ridiculous. Okay. I think that we are going to get word this year, this is my ridiculous story, that Bernie Eccleston approached Vladimir Putin to try and launch an overthrowing of Liberty Media over Formula One. Interesting. And was turned down. Interesting. That's an interesting big story. So? My big story is also with the ridiculousness. And it's probably not going to happen, but just throwing it out there. Lewis Hamilton leaves Mercedes. Oh, that's an interesting one. You know, it could be. That, that one, if you think about it, though, might not be as ridiculous as you think. I know. <clears throat> because conceivably, the way that could work. So Lewis has a <coughs> has an uh, another off year. And Sebastian Vettel's out of contract. So maybe Sebastian goes to Mercedes and Lewis goes to Ferrari. That's, and they swap seats. That's also possible. You know, because everybody wants to drive the little red cars. Well, you know, um, according to one of my Top Gear an- annuals, um, Ferrari started out with um, Enzo Ferrari, Ferrari selling red cars with um, horses on them. And that would attract all the girls, because girls love red cars with horses on them. And is that true? No. But anyway, <laughs> that's why we don't own a, uh, a Mustang, a Ferrari, or any other horse level car. Well, I thought Mustangs because they have a tendency to like spin out of control and crash into people and fences. Mm, <clears throat> that could be one of them. But anyway, yes. As the season kicks off and we go through this year, we will see whether or not any of this comes true. Perhaps. And we'd like to hear your your predictions. Leave us a note either over on Facebook in the comments for the post or uh, on the website over at www.theblokeandabird.com. And uh, other than that, I think we will put this into the vault to be remain locked away until the end of the season so that yes. nobody can change their answers. No erasing with pencils. And on that note, we'll call it a show. 
We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. <laughs> a little break? Okay. Whew.